You are listening to the Kairos Des Moines podcast. The point of this is to talk about, no, make no doubt, I am so honored that you're spending your time here with us, but I'm aware that there's a ton of different smaller kind of sub-communities that make up the different elements in your life. And uh, we're looking at what community uh, is at its core and how we're called to be leaders in those various versions of community and whatever that looks like for you. Uh, we talked this first week about how the very first step uh, to being in, in a healthy community and being a leader in that healthy community is to simply say, God, here I am. To be able to look at what's happened this year and hold space for that and truthfully say, yeah, a lot of this year has sucked and a lot of it's been really terrible for a lot of people, including maybe some of you in here. And so uh, what we do is we hold space for those things. We take care of others who have been affected as well as ourselves and take care of ourselves. And then we also look forward and expectantly towards the God doing more things than we can ever imagine. And so it's kind of a both and we're saying, God, where are you leading next? Then last week we talked about, okay, we've shown up. So what is community in its various stages. Um, we kind of talked about uh, how we are all indeed one creation in God living one lives in our in the planet. It's called non-dualism for anybody who feels like being a nerd. But um, there is also a vast array of experiences that people have throughout the world, even in our own communities for a number of different reasons. Uh, so we talked about the types of communities that we've grown in throughout our lives. Uh, and what they've taught us and what those communities kind of have brought us. And uh, we talked about the different types of communities that have handed us blessings and burdens, because no matter who raised you, no matter what brought you up, no matter who you think of as like kind of your home base, you've been handed both blessings and burdens all the same. Uh, maybe that was a sports team, maybe it was a youth group. A lot of times when we say communities, you think of like a specific geographic location, but a lot of times it's these group of people that you've spent a ton of time with. And so um, they've handed us great things and other things that we've had to deconstruct. So we also talked uh, when we split off into groups about what communities you're a part of now and how God's goodness is calling you uh, to be ambassadors of that goodness of God, that grace of God, that peace of God, wherever you go, and how that can change everything. Last week's up on the podcast. Feel free to catch up if you would like. Uh, it's on the link in our Instagram bio. Uh, so what's next about community? We've talked about here we are. We've talked about kind of how to hold on to what our, um, what our baggage is or the lens that we've been given to look through at life. Well, so far we've shown up We've looked at uh, what we've been handed, and now, now we should look at what it's actually like to show up and be the person that God made you to be, especially in a time of conflict. Because guess what? Communities have conflict. I know this is like earth-shattering news for everybody involved. But first, I'd like to start uh, tonight by telling you a phrase that we had in my house growing up. Three words that my mom would say, and it would happen in every vacation. She'd say, too much togetherness. Because I have a little sister, and by little sister, I mean she's two and a half years younger than me, so we're pretty close in age. And about four days into a, like a five-day vacation for like spring break, or th the, on the, like the late morning of the third day, like the last day of a long weekend, my mom would always end up saying to us, too much togetherness. Because what happened 
uh, is my sister and I would start to get on each other's nerves. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but the people that you love and that you spend a lot of time with, coincidentally, you know the exact thing you shouldn't say. You know the exact thing that you shouldn't do. And it feels real good as you say and do those things to get on those people's nerves because too much togetherness. You know exactly the right thing to set each other off. And even though we theoretically get older and wiser, the fact that proximity and fatigue and stress can bring out the worst in us sometimes uh, doesn't go away with age. And uh, it just turns into different things. If we're in the Midwest, sometimes it's uh, passive, good old passive aggression. Sometimes if you're mad enough, it's good old active aggression. But um, maybe you experience some stress with those that you love during quarantine. Uh, maybe you found yourself back at your parents' house when that was not something maybe you thought uh, you would do any time recently. Maybe you were around those siblings that used to drive you crazy. Maybe you found out that uh, your relationship with your parents is a lot better when you don't live at home. Uh, my dad wouldn't mind me saying that's the way that our relationship is. The, my mom said we're very similar. The only difference is that he thinks he's always right and I am always right. So like the it's, it's difficult sometimes to be in that surprise proximity that quarantine has brought out. Um, even if you were just with uh, roommates, uh, you weren't maybe not so crazy about uh, the, all of the togetherness that you guys experienced. But even each year, even outside of 2020, there's this thing that you have to do where you have to figure out how to live with a new roommate. And even if you've lived with that roommate before, there's still always that kind of time where you're like kind of feeling each other out of like, okay, this is like kind of your schedule. This is like how you like things. This is how I like things. Like it's always, there's always an adjustment period. So uh, I was a freshman at Drake several years ago. And what happened was uh, I was, I went to a school in central Iowa for high school and I went the random roommate route because not very many people from my high school went to Drake. And uh, I got randomly assigned a roommate. His name is Colin. And Colin texted me out of the blue because they like just will give your personal information out, which is fine because I would have given it to Colin. I'm, I'm excited to get to know this person. I hear all about how like you become your best, best friends with the people that you're roommates with in college, you know, the, the classic sitcom story. And so Colin texts me three words. You smoke, bro? Question mark. And I had to share with Colin that I, I, did, I did not indeed... Uh, no judgment on the part of Colin. I was like, I'm sure we can figure this out. Like, this will be totally fine. It ended up that those were the only three words I would re ever receive from Colin. Colin did not show up at Drake the, my fall semester. I got a double to myself, Stonecker room 003. I was in the basement. And uh, I lofted the beds and made what I like to call super bed. And then made, uh, like, made this sweet like cove in there. Anyway, my room was great. And uh, then I moved to 001 in the basement because uh, I didn't want the conflict. Because second semester, they're like, you can pay for a double by yourself or I can put a random roommate with you. And I knew that that person was going to be the person that had the problems with the person in the first place. All that's to say, I didn't want the conflict. I got used to being on my own, but it's a necessary part of life. Now, upperclassmen in the room can confirm relational stress doesn't go away, even in rooming and all those situations, even when you start to get older and wiser and all the things that all you upperclassmen are. I was a part of a group in Drake. I don't know if they still exist, but it's an acapella group. And they, I, I was part of like the, this, this group of guys that did this. And the only reason I mention it is because we all decided to live together in a house off like 34th Street, uh, right next to the stadium. And it was called the Brokel House, because we were the Brokel Cords. And they did 
they, I know it's awful, isn't it? Um, but there were like, I, I was trying to tell Jed this story earlier. I was like, I think there are five of us, but like, there was like always people in this house and there was two roommates in general that, uh, let's call them, uh, let's call them Tom and Matt. And that's because that's what their names were. Um, they, Tom and Matt, Matt was, uh, an actor. He was endlessly creative uh, had a lot of energy up at all hours of the day, ready to really seize the day. Went off to like, he teaches in California now and is like a really neat guy. Um, and then Tom studied accounting. So naturally, yeah, exactly. Accountants, they're like, well, what? Um, but as sometimes you guys are fun, so is Tom. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that Sometimes we just are different people. We talked about that last week. You know, different uh, strengths and abilities that you have uh, bring you into different communities. Here we were in this house community together, and Matt didn't believe in bedtimes or dishes or, you know, other things that people believed in. And no, no shade. Uh, I don't really think I did either. But Matt and Tom clashed pretty frequently, so much so that Tom's solution for Matt never doing his dishes, was Tom grew with, uh, drew with, with a blue electrical tape a grid system that we all each got a certain amount of place on, and Tom gave the security deposit, so he had the, the license to do this. You can just sense where all of this is going, is that it was a whole lot of relational tension. Now, some of you in this room are thinking, man, that Tom seems like he's maybe a little uh, controlling in this circumstance. Some of you are thinking, that Matt sounds like a slob. Because we're all different people and live different ways, and we find ourselves in relational tension. There's nothing wrong with those arguments that happen. Just different people living different lives. The question is, how do we enter into that tension in relationship with each other? Now, the reason that I mentioned the whole rooming thing and these small fights uh, that we all have inevitably is because we can come out of listening to a sermon or a worship service like we leave and we're like, man, the worship was good. And I just like feel like I really got it, you know? And you like go back to your house and you're like, I'm a holy child of light now. Uh, nothing's going to get under my skin. Nothing bothers me. Nothing will hold me down from this spiritual height to which I have ascended. And then freaking Betsy steals the rest of the Captain Crunch. And then what do you do? And then you're like, all of a sudden you're like, well, it looks like it's a good day to throw down. Like it, it goes that quick. Right. And then all of a sudden, no, I, I was genuinely just a name that I picked out of the air, but all of a sudden you find yourself in a completely different place. So the thing is, is that this is often how it goes. We feel really great. We feel really convicted that about something that we hear. And then we go back out into the world you're like, yes, Chris, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be a leader in this community. And then you realize that all of the things in your community that sucked before still suck. Like the, the things that are hard are still hard. And even the things that you yourself struggle with, while you might feel better about it for a little bit, you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't magically gain skills to do everything right. Even though I encountered the spirit of God, me and my brokenness still exist oh my gosh, this is still a hard thing. And so the, the, the thing that we fall into a lot of the times is that I've seen this with people that I love so much. They fall away from the church because what they do is they go, well, that means it must have all been fake. Like that means that it, I must have just been fooling myself. And it can seem like it's all fake, but if 
we miss the point if that's the case. Our call to love and lead and be ambassadors of God's love, which we talked about last week to other people, has nothing to do with how easy or how difficult things are. Becoming fresh and new in the midst of God's spirit is focusing on something else entirely, and that's what we're going to talk about. So a reading from this week is from the book of Colossians, uh, where this person named Paul is trying to instruct a group of Jesus followers from a distance. These letters that Paul writes, which is the ones named after all the different people, uh, they're really great because it's Paul trying to instruct a group of people on how to live and love and be ambassadors of Jesus's life in a community. So, uh, Relevant, to say the least, should we say, to what we're doing. So uh, feel free. Uh, phone Bibles, real uh, paper Bibles, not the Bible is real if it's on a phone. Um, or feel free to listen as I say it uh, in my melodious voice. We're going to start in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 8. But now you must also rid yourself... Of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Sadian, uh, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I could just read that like five times and then we could all just like go because if you ever just like want a pep talk, just read that in the morning. Cause I don't, that's convicting to me. Now I know that's a lot. Notice what didn't happen in that passage. Our main man, Paul did not say that nothing bad would happen. He did not say that the world was going to be rainbows and butterflies and free drinks. Please note that everything that he said that was going to change that he was calling for, that he was leading us towards all of it had to do with a perspective switch from the people that were following Jesus. What he didn't say was, and everybody else is going to get out of your way because you're destined for glory. But instead, what he was talking about, Paul talks about speaking, not speaking slander, basically talking smack against somebody else because a perspective switch shows in conflict that the person you're in conflict with, they're dealing with their own brokenness. They're angry with you. A lot of times, if you ever notice, you ever argue with somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, this has nothing to do with me. Even though it has everything to do with you, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Guess what? It's always like that. They aren't evil. They're a victim of the same brokenness that you are. And because of that, even if somebody's being their own worst enemy, that means they don't need another one. 
somebody's dealing with an enemy, <laughs> spiritual, um, otherwise, or even themselves, that means that they could use a friend. It talks about how in this passage, forgiveness is necessary. It's another word. It was like forgiveness is required. And you're like, whoa, like slow your roll, Paul. Um, what I'm not talking about is letting someone off the hook without any consequences. I'm not talking about just like forgetting uh, bad things that have happened to you um, or walking back into a, an abusive situation. I always throw the disclaimer out there that you can forgive and love someone from a safe distance. That is always an option. But when Paul is talking about uh, what he is talking about is that we're called to enter a situation of conflict with the express goal of wholeness and relationship. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not often how I go into an argument. That is not how I'm tempted to go into a tough conversation. Um, I want them to know that I'm right and they're wrong and that I'm the good guy and they're the bad guy and that I'm smart and that they're dumb and that I'm in and they're out. Like that, I, I say that like in jest because, of course, maybe you're not going to phrase it that way. But you know the exact feeling, right? You're like, this is a thing that happens when they, you hear it all the time in, uh, in a lot of the like, arguments that you see on YouTube. Somebody crushes someone. Somebody embarrasses someone in an argument. Things change when your starting point is recognizing the human across from you as a member of your community. And if you hear anything that I'm saying, that's the invitation. Being a leader in a community means seeing someone and recognizing that they're a part of your group. Even if you've never met them, even if they don't look like you. We talked about these communities that raised us, and we're all in a part of community. But if you want to be a leader in community, you find that common ground with that person across you. You're not saying you could share nothing in common, but you have to start from the intention of wholeness of relationship with that other person. And I would give this sermon every day of the week until the election. <laughs> you know, there's specifically today, traffic today as different people are in the state. But the goal is wholeness. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is loving someone. That's where we have to start. Now, things don't always go great. That does not mean there won't be uncomfortable moments. And that doesn't mean that you'll always make the right choice or somebody else will or that you won't have to walk away from an argument. What I am saying is that things start to shift when all of a sudden the goal is to see the friend. The goal is to recognize that you are not separate from them in the way that God loves them in the way that God loves you. So sometimes what that also means, I talk about looking across and seeing the friend, seeing the person that God loves. Sometimes that also involves looking in the mirror and recognizing the person that God loves. A lot of people miss in the scripture passage that in verse 10, it says that putting on the new self, and it's kind of weird in the language, like, you might, like your brain might have glitched as you hear it because it's kind of weird in English, but it said renewed in the knowledge after the image of the creator. What that means is things change when you're able to see yourself the way that God sees you. Things change when you realize that you, you, making eye contact with all of you, you made in the image of God. Things change because of that. Sometimes the times that we are most hostile towards other people is when we're really angry with ourselves. 
Sometimes when there's something that has reared its ugly head that we absolutely despise out of us, if it was apparent, we would cut it out. Those are the times that we're most hostile with others. But if we can recognize that we're made in the image of God and made whole because of the sacrificial love of God that died for us, the love of that God that is with us, no matter what we could ever mess up, then we won't have to take that frustration out on somebody else. If we can stop in that moment of anger, hatred, shame, a lot of times it takes a form of shame. Shame can feel a lot like anger or hatred towards somebody else. And you realize it's shame about yourself. If we can stop that there, realize that, be mindful of that, and then recognize, you know what, that's, that's actually a lie. God actually loves me. I'm actually made in the image of God, and I have a Jesus that loves me more than anything. I'm going to work on whatever that thing is. I'm going to figure that out. But you know what? I'm going to be okay. All of a sudden, that, how many arguments does that prevent later in the day? When we can recognize with grace and mercy and compassion and kindness that in ourselves, we can also recognize that when somebody else is doing the same. You go, you know what? It's not about me. There have been plenty of times we at staff um, have encountered a number of different people in a number of different states of mind and, and substance abuse and a lot of different things. We've had rocks thrown at us and we've had... I've been sworn out more times than I can think. The only reason I share that is I don't have any malice in my heart for that because guess what? That has nothing to do with me. Our goal is to show up, continue to show up for those folks that need us. And that's what we're called as believers to do. Not holding us up, but just saying that's what it really looks like. That's maybe an extreme. So what does that mean for your day-to-day arguments? What does that mean for the relationships that you have in your life? To recognize that you're a loved child of God to step back in those conversations and to desire wholeness, to enter a difficult conversation, or as we call them at Hope, uh, what was it, Uh, crucial crucial conversations. If you have to have a crucial conversation with someone, that means it might get real. But you can enter into that knowing that the intention is wholeness and goodness and entering into community with that person. So what does that look like for you? In a world where our brains are literally conditioned by both evolution and culture to label people good, bad, us, them, in, out, friend, enemy. Your brain can do it in a split second. How might your daily interactions and therefore your relationships and therefore your experience of your life change if you saw someone as a member of your personal community? What does that look like? So in a moment, I'm going to pray. We can break off into some groups again. My questions, here are the discussion questions for this evening. First one, what are your pet peeves? What are the things that just get under your skin that you can't do it? Now, not people. There, no, no, what, what do you call it? No gossip in, in the house of God. Like, just what, what things do people do that drive you crazy? For me, people who don't stack their registration stickers on their license plate, the people that, like, make a whole, like, rainbow circle of different registration stickers. That's not how it goes. And that's wrong. And I am working this out with God as we speak. But uh, what are your pet peeves? What things really drive you crazy? And then the second question is, in the discussion, um, this talks about embodying patience, kindness, humility, peacefulness, uh, compassion, forgiveness. And again, it's Colossians chapter three. Is there any of this that kind of, is there any of those that stick out to you? 
in those words. Like, is there an invitation in there for somebody? Not saying God's like breaking through your eardrum and going, this is your challenge. But saying like, oh, this is something I might feel a little nudge. I might uh, feel the invitation to step in this direction. So um, patience, kindness, humility, peacefulness, compassion, forgiveness. Again, this is Colossians chapter three. So we started in verse eight, but I think it starts in verse 12, that list. But anyway, just any of the things we talked about, where are you kind of feeling led in this next season as we work on this together and being leaders of our community? Does that make sense? Sounds like a good plan. Let me pray real quick. Lord God, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to be together. God, we thank you for uh, the chance to step into something new uh, despite COVID, which feels old at this point. We thank you for the new life that pops up every little bit uh, along this journey that we have together. God, thank you for all the students here tonight. Bless them with safety and health. Bless them in their studies and their passions and their goals and their relationships and be with them each step of the week this week, God, as they seek to live and love each other in the sacred community that you put them in. So God, I just pray that they would feel uh, your peace uh, when there is uncomfortable situations. I pray that they would feel your leading uh, in how to love others well the way that you love us, God. So we thank you for your grace for when we will completely fail at that this week at some point. And we thank you for the small victories, for those mini steps that we can take and can, as we continue to walk towards your kingdom. We thank you, Jesus, and we love you. And it's in your good name that we pray. Amen.